Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 163. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and brilliantly creative fantasy author, David Trotter. I David. appreciate the accolades. Uh, working on working on the the former, getting there with the priors. So. <laughs> that's true. I mean, you have sold books internationally. That's that's Absolutely. true. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually, uh, uh, I met a lot of people from Denmark. Surprisingly, I've got, uh, I got a couple, I guess a little fan base over there. So oh, that's awesome. it's been kind of fun. Uh, met, met a lot of them as I was saying earlier, like via TikTok. So right. got a small little group of people over in Denmark that it's been fun to meet with. <laughs> so it's interesting before we get on your, well, our, our mutual connection, uh, Robert Zingari, uh, introduced us and, and he said, listen, you got to get David on the show. This guy is an amazing fantasy author. Um, just put out your, your, uh, your first book that came out. That was a success, that it was a successful Kickstarter last, no, last year, early yeah. last year, uh, called, uh, oh, it. there it is. Yeah. Birthright. The last son of the Pharaoh Mage saga, which is that. So I allowed you. A lot of people mess up the last word. So congratulations, well done. Oh, thank you. Okay, <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, including my mother and my wife, who both are so sick of hearing about it. They they could. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, yeah, it was it was actually we met. I met Robert as as I was saying before. Uh, via my Kickstarter. Uh, he was one of my early pledgers. I think I'd have to look back and see, but he was like number 17 or 18. And um, we just started chatting uh, after the books were out. It was actually kind of a little bit of an unfortunate event. Some mail was lost. I had about 57 books lost in the ether for about a month and a half uh, waiting to get them delivered. And so I was like communicating regularly. And Rob was one of the only people that replied back when I was posting updates. And then we just started talking. And when it finally delivered, we I just never shut up. And we ended up, uh, he ended up introducing me to a, a few writing groups. And yeah, he's a, he's a pretty amazing author. I think he right. just finished his uh, Kickstarter, which was super successful. Right. And you and and you and right now and we'll we'll talk about it in a little bit. You actually now presently, as of this recording, you also have a Kickstarter that is past your goal, which is you're actually making an audio book edition release of Correct. the book that you released, uh, Birthrights. Uh, uh, from yes. that there. So before we kind of jump in, or talk to us a bit about talk to us a bit about how you got into uh, writing and and how you came up with the idea of your book. So, um, I'm a huge nerd at, at every aspect of the level, maybe not the huge physically part, but I'm a huge nerd. Uh, I grew up on Tolkien, um, grew up on uh, a couple of the epics. My mom is actually a literary major. Uh, she teaches high school. And so she had me reading stories like the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Iliad, the Odyssey, lots of different stories from different countries and cultures. So wow. I love, I love diverse cultures and different, uh, you know, backgrounds. So like a lot of like Egyptian literature, a lot of Chinese literature, a lot of, uh, Indian literature. I thought it was really cool to get kind of a, a, a good mix, but um, 
obviously Tolkien's going to be the big standout for me. Um, I was really cool. I uh, thought it was cool that I read the Lord of the Rings every year uh, consecutively for about 12 or 13 years. Um, and I just, I ate it up. Uh, but then all of a sudden comics quit being the thing that only the weird kids did. Uh, you know, I, I collected (laughs) comics. I watched all the X-Men shows, the justice league shows, the Batman man shows, Spider-Man, as I was pointing out on your wall, big Spider-Man, you know, nineties, eighties, Spider-Man, the Ninja Turtles. And I, I, while I love the world of fantasy, uh, I was, I always thought, you know, it would be really cool because you get like the wizard, right? Or the, Mm. or, you know, or a barbarian that's kind of tough and rumbly, but you don't see a lot of people with like superpowers. So for me, I started crafting this idea back in like 2018 of a character. Like, what would it be like to put a superhero in a fantasy setting? How would they handle it? That's kind of what, that's kind of what like, sparked all of it um and i worked on it and it went through iteration and draft and iteration and draft and a lot of world building and it was always kind of like a side hobby for me uh it was a big stress relief uh i do it sales and so Mm -hmm. that can be kind of stressful and uh and then one day for uh my birthday uh my wife had went to the different members of my family and she was like hey my husband's writing a book i think he's actually gonna make it like i think he's going to get somewhere but we have no money really uh we just had our uh you know we just had our third son um and she put together enough money for me to get a professional editor to edit my work which was huge for me um right. when i got those documents back it looked like somebody bled out on them with <laughs> red ink. and uh i'm a, I'm a little dyslexic um little adhd so I, I don't see like certain words like the, I'll write it like three or four times in a row because I don't see the word. Mm. Um, and then I'll get some of my letters mixed up. And But at the end of the day, got it all edited back and um, through, uh, and again, being in sales, I'm a big uh, communicator. And uh, I, I put out there that, hey, I was, I was writing a book. It was being edited and I have no artistic ability. Uh, and one of my friends who is, from college is a graphic designer he's like hey i'm not really up this alley but i got a friend of mine aaron moshner who you'll see on the bottom of my book uh as the artist and illustrator uh he he did all the work and he just did an amazing job Uh, he really brought the vision of the book to life uh and that's kind of and then the rest is history you know uh I put it out to Kickstarter. We got it successfully funded, which allowed me to turn it into, I was thinking I was only going to get to do an ebook, but this turned it into both a hardback and a paperback, which is now available as you're looking right now on Amazon. Right. right. So how long, talk to us again about like, so as you said, you, you, you kind of highlighted some of like uh, the, the ideas of putting a superhero in a fantasy setting. Um, how long did it take you to with conceptualize an idea to actually then do the, the writing of the book? So that's a really good question. So I, I toyed around with the idea. So my main characters, I have two, I have Aaliyah and Darius and um, without getting into too much details, uh, Darius is who you see the world through. He's your kind of like chaperone into 
the world that I crafted. Hmm. So, um, Aaliyah, you're just kind of in it and you're riding along and it's more fast paced and punchy because she's not new to the world. Darius is. So you're kind of learning. So Darius was my first creation. Um, uh, I'm going to get some flack here. So get ready. Uh, I have never watched Game of Thrones. Um, I've never read Game of Thrones. It's one of the few fantasy epics. It's on my list. It's on my DVR, <laughs> but I've never actually gotten into it. Um uh, don't ask me why. I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I just never got around to it. Everybody talked about it. Um, but uh, so Darius's original name was Denarius. And one of my friends was like, hey, you probably shouldn't use that name. And I was like, why, why not? And they're like, well, that's kind of like the most popular name of a character right now. You should probably change that. So I mean, it went through revisions. Uh, it went through different revisions. Uh, but again, I said I started probably 2018. Really, with the, when I, when I finally put, when I opened up the original Word documents, when I started whiteboarding everything out, 2018 was where it started. And I would say I finished the the first draft of my book, like the actual, like, hey, this is a conceptual book, um, at the end of 2021. Um, that book is now part one of three. Um, so I split it into three parts and part one is birthrights. Okay. Um, so, and it's still, it's, it's, it's not like a, a Brandon Sanderson or, or Rob Zangari, you know, 1200 page epic, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hefty enough. I think it ended being like 179,000 words, uh, which for a lot of authors, they really like to stay in that 120 to eight, like 80 to 120 mark. So it's it's thick enough. It's for so according to this is 429 pages. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the hardback I think is a little bit more. Uh, there's there's images in there that Aaron crafted, and the font's a little bit bigger. You okay. know, it's a learning experience. You know, when I got my my prints back, uh, I don't think the font is too small. It's what was suggested, but. I upped it just a little bit more for the uh, for the hardback, and I think it gives it a cleaner look. So I get I so I get my my question to you is that is is, is this going to be a part of a series? Absolutely. So okay. uh, book two, I'm heavily engaged on. I've already written obviously one iteration, which was in what was going to be the first book, mm. or the, actually the it was going to be a book, and now it's broken into a series. Okay. Um, I'm in the fourth draft of it. I hope to have it off to edits by November. That's my hope. Wow. Okay, cool. Cause I was curious because I, I, I didn't notice like in, in the listing on Amazon, it says book one of one. So that was, well, so the way that that works on Amazon, you can't really get to choose everything until you add another book. It'll say one of one, even if it's like a three or five or 12 part. Oh, once you put it in another one, it'll it say, okay. yeah. Um, which is going to be really interesting. And, and I've tried to work around this. I, I'm writing novellas as well. Um, that'll tell different parts of the story that aren't right. critical, right. That aren't like critical to the main story, but it provides a lot of detail. So for your high fantasy nerds like me that really like to get into the nitty gritty of how things work, that those will be more for those people that really want to get in there and see how everything works and learn about all those side characters and backstories. Um, and those will count towards the number. Um, I think I'll have four, maybe five books in the main series, but I'm thinking by the end, there'll probably be anywhere between seven to nine books. If you include the novellas. Okay. So 
talk to us about, I, I love the idea. That's an amazing idea that you start off with the, the idea of a superhero in a fantasy setting. Uh, is it, what is the fantasy setting like from the lens of a superhero? Is it kind of a metropolis kind of feel where being a superhero is, it's different. Is it like a Marvel where being a superhero can kind of be a burden? How did you put in the realm of how the populace of your fantasy setting views superheroes? That's a really good question. And bear with me as I try to give you the best answer possible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So first off, it's not medieval fantasy. So it's not Lord of the Rings-esque. It is more steampunk Victorian era. Oh, cool. Um, and it's kind of like entering that age of industrialism. Uh, there are trains, though. Darius doesn't know what those are. Um, I, I feel like I can speak pretty lightly on this because it's uh, it's in the prologue. So it's not too much of a spoiler. Really? But um Darius gets cursed and he wakes up a certain time later. And that's why he doesn't understand what all's going on. Okay. So when he wakes up or when he, before he's cursed, what he is a Pharaoh mage, right. Is not uncommon. Right. Now there aren't very many of them, but they're, I guess I would say they're well known, right. There's only one Superman, but everybody knows who Superman is. Right. right. Well, there are 12 of the Pharaoh mage and now there's not, now there's him right uh uh but when he wakes up he he's again he's trying he's seeing this world and it's very victorian-esque uh, you know the, the dress the style the populace and uh the the place that he's in the cities that he's in uh, i i kind of took a greco-roman mindset but then i put like industrial like so lots of steel with like so there's columns and arches but there's also like steel frames and glass right. you know so this kind of this like hybrid mix but the people uh there's a there's a religious organization that kind of has mind share over the population and it's a very large population of people that live in a very controlled area right and so magic or abilities or powers are all fairy tales they don't exist. The only people who do that are, I call them the blessed, uh, are members of the of the ecclesiastical organization that are these priestesses that have this ability to do different things. So the people don't believe there are such things as superpowers. That they just believe that their religion, they have people with these abilities. There's a lot more I don't want to get into, but they're being like sheltered, I guess I should say, as, as best as possible from the ideas of superheroes or, or like people with abilities. And Darius doesn't know that he doesn't realize that. Mm. And so he's like a ticking time bomb in a city that is very from the outside looking in. It's like, Oh, it's a very like open community. There's lots of people from different nations. It's very like, they're very well educated. They're very well like understood. They know things, but on the inside, they're really controlled. They're actually very, kept under lock and key pretty tight and there's a lot of um political uh and socio-political agendas going on and um the word is escaping me um where propaganda a lot of propaganda okay. you know so he's trying to figure himself out in this world that magic doesn't exist it's a fairy tale 
And he's like, well, then I'm a, then what am I? Cause I'm walking around and his, his ability is cool. Uh, he, uh, he can bind sunlight to his blood, which kind of supercharges him. Oh, wow. Um, and so when he's doing that, he becomes super fast, super strong. He can heal really fast. Uh, but it comes at a cost. Uh, the longer he holds on, um, uh, I looked up a lot of, uh, side effects of different drugs and so he goes into a form of euphoria and ecstasy he loses touch with reality and the sun cooks him from the inside out so he has to let go or else he can burn up wow okay so when you let me ask you about the world building part of this that's my favorite fire away did you create the world before you started writing the story or did you just write start writing the story and then figuring out the world building as you were, as you were exploring it, exploring the world yourself. So both. So the world building is where I spend most of my time. So I don't have a MacGuffin and a large plot, right? Meaning that I have a character that's experiencing the world and his journey through it. Hmm. Right. So the world, there's layers upon layers and there's just some things that I've crafted that I will never be seen right <laughs> like unless i unless somebody gets a hold of my stuff and makes like a wikipedia you know like a wiki and like because the, there's just too much there's so much information there's so much world building um i i'm a big fan and not a sponsor campfire love to be if they want to sponsor me by all means holler at me um, but i use campfire and i have just endless files and and breakouts religions like i think i have 17 different known religions in my world i've got i've got 42 different established peoples um 14 countries there's six continents um it's a lot right and and like and the people are not you know one of the things i don't like about fantasy is like you got all your these people all live here and they all act, look, and sound exactly the same. And then all these people live over here and they all act and your dwarves are all in the mountains and your elves are all in the forest and nobody intermingles. That doesn't make sense, especially not in like a Victorian era where like there are great ships that sail and people go to different places. I mean, I have trains, right? right? So people are traversing, there's trade. And so it's like, how do you, how do you keep this idea of, well, magic isn't real in a world where there is magic, right? Well, I mean, I think about today in modern society uh, and different, and if I may be like this, different people have different beliefs, either philosophical, theological, uh, you know, it, it's just so vast in the world. And and we're living in, a in you know, the 21st century. This is, you know, would be set in like the, like the 17th century. So, you know, it's like, it's been wow. fun to play with. There's a lot. <laughs> I love the world building. I, I, I love, I love different people. I love people from different regions and cultures. And I think they each bring something unique. And I, mm. I strove, I strove really hard not to pull too heavily. I didn't want to like, I don't want people to look at. Now there is one group of people that's pretty easy to call out just because, and I'll get to it in a second. It's my own personal heritage. Um, that is like, ah, oh, that's clearly where these people are defined from. But I didn't try. I'm, I don't want people to look at my at my world and be like, okay, well, this country is clearly based solely off of Japan, and this country is like an African nation, and this is like I, I try to give them different things and different feels, right? Um, so, and then come up with my own thoughts as well. Right. 
no, I, I want to get back to the point when you brought up about the dyslexia. I'm I'm curious about, as you mentioned, the some of the struggles you're seeing as kind of writing it out. At what point, what would be any tips that you would give for somebody who um, might be struggling as, as writing? And what would be some advice and tips that you would give to people that uh, are struggling to just, in general, just kind of getting a book written because they have one, but they're they're stalling out voice notes and read backs, right? Like I, I carry my phone and I'll talk into it, Oh wow! you know, and I'll, and I'll make notes. I also make notes just in the notes section of my phone, but then also when I write a section, I'll highlight it and I'll have like word will read it back to you. Now you may, if you're, you know, into fantasy, you may have some goofy names that word may not understand. <laughs> so I use code names. So okay. like Sam is pretty easy word gets that one. So, yeah. <laughs> or like Dave, <laughs> Barney, like it's gonna, it's gonna get those ones, Smith. Um, but uh, it's something that you know I joke around with Rob all the time. You know, he has some very extravagantly named characters in his book, and uh, well, I, I give him a hard time all the time. Uh, from Doctor Seuss's Zizzer Zazzer says, that's what I, I, I jokingly call him that all the time, just because he has some wild names out there. But it, it really helps to hear back because right. you think. Um, and as we get into the discussion of the audiobook portion, like hearing Henry read back my works, it, it's it's crazy to hear a professional, like because I am getting, I am trying to get there. I am developing myself. I'm honing my talents. But he's a professional, right? To hear mm. a professional read your stuff back, there's already like I want to go through and already rip apart book two and restructure so many things. Uh, I went through and I found I like did the control find and typed in the word just. And I just hit delete because there's it's like 640 instances of that word. There's no reason for that word to be in the book. What, the word just. Yeah. Wow. Because okay. if you if you listen, if I said, hey, uh, I just want to go to the market. I want to go to the market. What wow. is, okay. or, or like and then like if I'm going to go to the market and then I'm going to go to all these, I'm going to go to the market. I'm going to go to all these. It, it just, right. it, it flows and it makes sense. Wow. That's I put on good... my socks, my shoes, and my pants. I didn't put on my socks and then my shoes and then my pants. So it's just oh. little things like that. Just like listening. And, and then obviously I read a lot and I listen to a lot of books and just hearing other people who are farther along the craft helps me out tremendously. So, so now I'm curious. I wanted to ask you as well as like, there's such a quick turnaround that I've noticed from your first book as you released uh -huh. it. And you released it when you first released it. This was – so you you can get the paperback available. But was this specifically to get the hardcover is why you did the Kickstarter? Absolutely. So the first wow. one – so a lot of people ask me uh, – and this will get into kind of the print side. So this right. is all stuff I'm I'm very new to. Um, you know, it's very expensive to produce a book. Um, right. uh, and whenever you sell a book online, you, you just don't make any money off of it, right? Like right. the reason authors want to sell a million copies is not so they can make $40 million off of a million copies. They, they, you sell a million copies, you're going to make a million and three dollars. You know, it's just, there's not a lot of margin, especially in hardcover copies when you're right. selling via Amazon. Cause one, Amazon doesn't make the the kind of covers that I use, so I have to, so I upload everything into Ingram Spark, right. and then Ingram Spark sells it to Amazon, and I make a, the difference in 
not only does Ingram Spark take their cut, Amazon takes their cut, and I make the difference. Right. Um, and so it's very, very slim margin. So the book, uh, it was selling, I think, for forty nine ninety nine, and if somebody bought one online, I made three dollars and twenty two cents. <laughs> you know. So and, and everybody's like, hey, why is your book price so high? It's like I, I don't, I can't, I can only set, you know. There's only so much room to go. And so what the Kickstarter allowed me to do was cut out Amazon, order direct from Ingram Spark. So I was buying it from myself. So I'm then selling it to people. So that way I could recover costs to be able to pay to do the audio book. Right. Okay. Wow. Now, and as you mentioned, and you mentioned in your Kickstarter as well for the audio book that you're a huge fan of audio books. Absolutely. Was this an idea that you had in place where you wanted to, did you know, as soon as, did you know, as you were writing Birthright, that you wanted this to be an audiobook as you were writing it? I dreamed it. I never thought I would get there, right? Like, <laughs> I never thought that it would become an actual book. To be honest, it was a stress relief for me. Um, again, I struggle with writing because I'm dyslexic. I struggle uh, with speaking, I get choked up and, and mm. I'll, and I'll miss my words and I'll forget. Um, but I, I wanted to, I was doing all this, um, as a stress relief. There were some hard, some hardships that my family went through. Mm. Um, if you'll indulge me, it's, it's a little sad, but, um, in, in, in 2020 my wife and i were expecting triplets and we lost them and it put me in like a really dark place and really writing this story and a lot of the instances that darius and Aaliyah go through a lot of the pains and the emotions that they feel were my escapism right it was my ability to write through the pains and the, and the hardships that we experienced it it wasn't actually until i had finished the book and i was sitting down and i was talking to my oldest brother who was born with degenerative eyesight he's 100 percent blind now that he was like i'd love to read your book but i can't you know mm. and i was like oh, i know he's, he was like have you ever thought about doing an audiobook and i was like i would love to but i just and then all of a sudden you know i reach out to uh michael kramer and kate reading uh right. very prolific uh voice narrators out there and i just requested like hey what would it cost at the time what does your schedule look like and they were like hey you know we actually got a lot of projects going on but would you be open to a suggestion and obviously i'm like absolutely and they're like hey our son is doing some work here's some of his projects take a listen well darius is uh 28 29 in the book and Aaliyah is 23 mm. um michael kramer is the father of henry kramer and henry kramer is my age so henry uh coming in breathes a younger life into the book and he's just so talented wow and he just took on the project and just ran with it and right. it was it was a dream come true uh hearing him when he sent the prologue out which if, if you listen to my kickstarter after my short little ferris bueller skit i <laughs> i put my uh i put my uh the prologue out there so you can listen to it and just he just his voice just is amazing it, it has such great vibrato such depth the characters he does so well he just brings it all to life in such a way that was just beyond my dreams i never expected to be there you know wow. i never expected to be here you know i didn't <laughs> expect any had you asked me this time last year if any of this was going to happen i'd be like absolutely not 
this is no way this is going to be here. Right. I, I never thought I'd have a book that had sold over 500 copies to like 17 different countries. I never would have thought I would have been working with the people that I'm working with. It's, it just kind of, I still sit back sometimes and I'm just kind of like, wow, yeah. um, how did this happen? So let, let's, let's talk about your Kickstarter. Let's. Yeah. So as I say, congratulations, not only did you get, you know, that, you, you know, you're there, you got your, uh, you're already back. You got 47 backers. You also get the project we love, which is amazing. That was a um, huge, that was a huge win for yeah. us. Actually, I was at 27 backers. Whenever we hit funding, we got project. We love, uh, and I say we, cause Robert did help a lot with this. And right after we got that, uh, I jumped up 12, wow. like 12 additional backers came in. It was, it was great. And 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 one thing I really want to point out on here is my original one. Uh, I know we were looking at it. It was it was at a little bit more from a funding perspective, but it was a lot higher value items going out. Right. And you can see I've already surpassed the backers, and I've still got you know 11 days left, and people are funneling in. I think I added a new one today to yesterday. Um, you know, it, it just seems every day we're adding two, three at a time, and it's been it's been a journey. Exactly, because the point of it, you had 39 backers on your first Kickstarter and your second Kickstarter, this one now you have 47 backers. Um, and I think, I think one thing I want to point out, especially for anybody who's interested in running Kickstarters. So my at cost for this one, unless somebody selects one of the book bundle options, which for the most part, people are just getting the audiobook. Right. Um, I have no cost in, right? Like I, it's already all been covered in the creation of the book. Whereas my other one, ev for every single person of that $2,900 I raised, I only profited like $300. Wow. All of that yep. went back into the production of the book and the paying of the cover design. So where this one, it's like, hey, it's you've only, it, it may be a little bit less financially. It's going to have a lot more financial impact in a positive way for me personally. Right. And so, yeah, so you, what you have here is that you get your, for a pledge of $10, someone's going to be able to get the book. Yeah. Some digital artwork. So it's interesting. These are new readers then. These are yeah. New so readers. for the most part, almost everybody on this Kickstarter, I think I brought over six from my former. Wow. Almost every single person on here is a new Kickstarter. And what's even more crazy to me, of my original Kickstarter, I think there were 39, uh, 32 of them I knew personally. Like they were either a friend or a friend of a friend. Like there was like a two-level connection right. of this one. Uh, besides like six or seven, I think all of them are people I've never met before, people I don't know. They wow. found me via either Project We Love, TikTok, social marketing, um, or like referrals. Right. And so, and yeah, so they, you look, and then you have at the, the $20 level, you get the ebook and then you get the audio book. Correct. Which is a, which is fantastic. Cause if you think about it, if you look at it from this perspective, you're buying, your people are going to be getting a brand new audio book for $10 because you add on the $10 for the digital. Absolutely. But, and when it goes on to, when it goes on to, you know, audible, it'll be like twenty four ninety nine. Right. So they're getting it for more than half off. Right. Um, and then my paperback is, you know, my paperback is $16.99. So here, $35, you get a full bundle. And, you know, you can take the audiobook and the ebook, download it on your Kindle, and give the uh, the paperback as a gift to someone. Right. Yeah, the paper right there. 
yeah, that's for 30, yeah, 35. So that, yeah, like you said, you're going to get a deal on this because you're going to basically be getting the paperback for 15 bucks. So you're going to save money on it. And if you're not going to buy it um, online and, and same goes here for the, for the, for the hardcover book, the hardcover book sells as we, you know, you, you're pulling that up sells, you know, you know, brand new it's, uh, it's priced at $50 is a list price for for a hardcover book for that and you're selling for and this is where this is the best part about kickstarter is that when you when you see it in time you're able to get a really good deal because the audiobook the ebook and the hardcover are all 55 dollars right and it, and it costs me it costs me about 30 dollars to produce the hardcover right like so mm -hmm. what 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 they're what i'm getting out of that so if somebody buys that i get 25 dollars right, right. Because the audiobook is created, the ebook is the ebook is. I just have to pay the royalty share to share it, right? Okay. And then, and then I just order that hardback. And, and this was never for me to get rich, right? This is this is an experience for me, and I I want people to to read it and to learn, and get to be a part of it. And it's been great because, um, you know, I was just somebody uh, messaged me last night on Facebook who had got the. Uh, book during my last kickstarter and they just were blowing me up with questions mainly when my next book is coming out and i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying really hard uh, to get it out like i said i'm i'm hoping to get edits out in uh november It'd be awesome if i could get it sooner so i could have a christmas release but we'll see right and then you and yeah and we and we, we missed it we missed your early birds because this would have been a fantastic deal if i looking at the hardcover the early bird pledge $44 for the hardcover ebook and audio. Yeah. Man, I actually got several on that. I got six, I think you got six on that one. That was, those are some smart people that picked that up right away. Yeah. I, I think what else is crazy. I actually have probably two or three people who have gone in and just pledged, you know, no, no, no ass. Just like, Hey, they want to, they're like, Hey, I've, I've loved your work. Keep it up. Right. Be successful, which has been cool. So, so talk to us a bit about, as you mentioned, is like, how important do you find the, uh, the, the illustration when it comes to, when it comes to that, when it comes to, cause you do have an, you, do you have your illustrator on in the book? Oh, 100%. L okay. I, I cannot, I, you go into a bookstore, right? The first thing you're going to see is covers, right? covers and spines it's mm. got to catch the eye right it's 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 got to get there um it, and that's been and i would say aaron he was able to if you look at like the the bear claw here right if you look at like the bear claw cover that's and this is the this is actually the first rendition so this isn't even like the final product so be thankful you got something better than this these are all of the uh, little errors that i corrected huh? but um if you look at this bear claw there's so much that goes into it so much in the book and, and it's layers right like when you look at it, you're like oh that's a cool cover that stands out that's a little bit different but when then you get the chance to actually read the story and you go back you're like oh now i understand this oh i see that i this is this is cool because there's so much more and then the color palettes how it, it fades from that really nice blue into that rust into that fiery red really mm. bespeaks something that is like hey this isn't medieval this is more that renaissance uh esque look of a book and uh oh he just did an amazing job right uh 
and, and when people open it up, so if you buy, so this isn't in the in the paperback, but in the hardcover, there are full page illustrations, and wow. they're each unique. So what he did is I said, hey, here are some scenes or thoughts, right, from the book. Do with them as you please, right? And so they're each like a different style. So they're okay. all him, but like one of them's really like Gothic-esque, and one of them is very clean and sharp, and the other one is more like a modern-esque weird, you know? Because, I mean, I've got mythical creatures that are kind of grotesque, and I've got, you know, powers and, and, and creatures and beasts and beings and this fantastical city um with this great tower that's sticking up out of the middle of it you know and it's just he, he was able to just really bring to life um and one of the coolest things he did a character study of darius and he drew him like in six different art styles and each one looking totally different wow. so that way that, that way when you look at it you can kind of get a feel but you're not immediately like, oh, this is what Darius looks like. In your own mind, you can create your own image and just kind of like plug him in. He actually did one where it's like he drew the whole body, hair, clothing, his staff, all of it together. But he left the face blank. Like he he took like a pencil blur and like blurred the face. So that way you can just like input your own idea of how you want this person to be and that's the thing that artists can do that i can't right they get to tell a whole nother layer of the story which and is so why I, it thrills me that you're an artist because i'm just horrible <laughs> at it I, when people read what are some of the feedback that you've seen when you're when, when that 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 you were surprised that you got from from fans and readers of the book like oh i really love x or i really loved y and then you were you're kind of taken aback because you were you were thinking that maybe these other parts of the story would have been more um, surprising to you. So uh, again, I so Aaliyah stole the show for a lot of people, okay. and she's not a secondary character. Don't get me wrong, but like when you craft a world to be seen through Darius's eyes, I spent so much time and attention. Again, I, I love world building, and you just see the world through Darius, and you get to absorb it through Darius. But from Aaliyah, you're just riding along, and you're just thrown into the middle of this city, right? Um, there's a massive wealth disparagency in my city. There's class systems, and she's at the bottom, right? Mm. And um, and I wrote this before uh, the, the dreaded uh, plague <laughs> that hit us. Uh, there was something called the white fever, a big plague that broke out that spread through the city. And it, and it, and when you got it, you knew you got it because you would, you would, your hair would turn white and begin to fall out, but it would turn really white. So all the uppers, that's what they call the upper class. They wear these big powdered wigs that are dyed these fancy colors. So you can't tell whose hair changed or not. Well, Aaliyah, she had gotten it. She actually, she actually lost her family to it. That's why she's very jaded towards the uppers. And so she leaves her hair short and white, you know, she, she just is like, she's so on the nose. She's so, she's vengeful. She's spiteful. She's, she's a really small person, but she's really big hmm. and uh, people just eat her up. She, there's a scene where she's accosted by a couple of individuals and she's in a very precarious position. And, um, uh, it, and, it, and it's about to take a turn for about as worse as you could imagine, just without getting there. And she proceeds to fight her way out of that situation in a very unique way. I get a lot of people who enjoy my fight scenes because I don't write them like you write fantasy. I write them like you would write like superhero fight scenes, right? right? Because 
these people have these unique abilities, right? And they can do things that other humans just can't. And so, like, time slows down. Like, you see dust motes start to pause, and then people just ate that up. Um, I would say the other thing is people really took after uh there's a character called Rannon and he was supposed to be just a secondary character but again because I write a character driven story he just kind of came off the pages and people just love him he's just this kind lovable priest he's a big old uh big old hearty man with big mustaches and uh he just he loves people he loves life and he's really just dedicated to trying to help the city become better. He runs what's called a bread house, which is pretty much a house for the poor. And he provides meals and shelter for people who need help. Wow. And uh, I, I people have just been like, hey, I loved him. And then I will say, hands down, the biggest thing that people have liked is near the end of my book, uh, Darius confronts a dark creature. And uh, they really like that creature. And I can't go into details or spoilers, but it's one of my own creation. And uh, I will say it's borderline horrific, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fantasy novel, but it's a borderline, like, I don't want to say Lovecraftian horror, but like dark horror. Like, it's like some Stephen King weird, oh, unsettling horror. So uh, that was going to be my next question. Was there any specific creatures or monsters that was going to be any creatures or monsters that were unique that you, we wouldn't find in other fantasy settings. Yeah. So um, that one would be the particular one in book one. Um, there are beings in book one because of how the world is built that we don't realize are what they are, but we've mm. learned that as we develop. And, and it's kind of hard to say a whole lot more. <laughs> and what and like and when you talk about for for instance, as you said, there was that uh, that you know being the last son of the of the Pharaoh Mage saga. That is this the only person that possesses magic, or is there other super? Is there other superpowers? I guess that will be seen. Yes. Yeah. In short answer, yes. So um, there are three sources hmm. uh uh so i'm a huge zelda fan so okay. i didn't mean to rip this from zelda and i wouldn't say it's ripped from zelda because it's very different um but there are three sources um no it's not the three that's not the triforce and it doesn't work exactly like that but there are there are three external forces there's a cognitive source a, a matter source like a source of matter in life hmm. and then there's a source of decay and destruction and they work together to make reality exist mm -hmm. and different people can touch different sources and that allots them different abilities. Right. Wow. That sounds pretty cool. So what you come to learn is like the blessed touch. Um, it's called Aatora, uh, the light, the cognitive source. And that grants, the blessed, which are like the women of the church I was telling you about, the ability either to heal or to see visions. So the cognitive, so they can either heal the physical or see, I call it the ethereal realm, see uh, visions of like the past, present, or future. Okay. All right. 
That's exciting. They get so. they have another power that comes with both of those that I can't really discuss because spoilers. It yeah. is really cool. I'll say it uses both of those together to do something that you wouldn't think. So is you, are you trying now to put out a book a year then? I so my goal was a book novella, book novella, book novella. Okay. Um, but I am so far along in book two, I kind of just want to get it finished. I would love to put out a book a year, but I do work about 50 hours a week and I have three kids and I compete in powerlifting competitions. So um, I wake up at 4 30 in the morning, go to the gym, work out for about an hour. Then I go to my office and I work on my book until about 7 30. Then I work from eight to five, come home, and then I do dad stuff. Uh, I help coach my son's little league t-ball team. And so uh, keeps me busy, keeps me young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's great. So do you have a title, a working title for book two? Yes. So I have a working title for book two and for the novella I'm working on. Okay. So book two is Chains of a Broken God. It really dives into the lure that I set up in one. And it is my Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Um, I, I I love that trope. And they can at me if they want. But I love the trope of reassessing and, and showing. Because let's take Lord of the Rings, for example. You never really see what Sauron can do. Right. You you never really know just how bad he is. Right. But that moment when Darth Vader cuts Luke's hand off and just shows that despite all the training Luke did, he's nowhere on the same level. Luke is way out of his league. Han Solo's frozen in carbonite. Nothing's working out. You get this scope of, hey, maybe it's not just this funny little empire that's going around being maniacal that doesn't know what they're doing. Right. They like they're good at what they do. And they can do it well, you know, and and I like that because I always hate the whole Dark Lord. It's like, I'm the Dark Lord. I've can, I've been working for 40,000 years on this plan. And some like 12 year old walks up and's like, oh, here's a magic arrow. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you foiled me. <laughs> so This is great. So are you would you be doing the, the second book as a Kickstarter as well? Uh, I, I, I plan on it. I, yeah. I, I, I don't it would allow me to do hardcovers again and to distribute hardcovers to those who want it. Um, it would also allow me to get like pre-sales so that way I can hire um, Henry again, because I've, I've been working, I've been talking with Henry. We both want the project to continue. Uh, I think he enjoyed it from what he said. I may be putting words in his mouth, but he seemed like he enjoyed it. And uh, we're definitely working on, you know, what book two and that novella will look like. Right. Wow, that's awesome. Well, listen, you, David, you got to come. You got to come back on the show when you have oh, when you're ready to talk to, to talk about your second book. Oh, I'd be more than happy to, and uh, I appreciate the time. It's been fantastic getting to sit down and talk. Yeah. And so, if people want to uh, learn more about your book and find you, what's the best place that they can go? Um, so you can find me. There, there's a multitude of different places. Uh, Facebook, uh, David Andrew Trotter. Instagram, that's me, uh, 16, D-A-T-Z, David Andrew Trotter. It kind of works with that. That's um, me, 16. I'm also on TikTok. Um, I like to make silly videos uh, here and there, but you can find me there on David A. Trotter 92, okay. uh, where I goof around and make fun of myself and talk about 
the the weird side of authoring that nobody likes to talk about. I like to, you know, talk about the random things like hand cramps when you're trying to type or, right. you know, when your brain just turns to dust in the middle <laughs> of, a, of a project. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, David. And like I said, I look forward to having you come back on in a, in a few months. Awesome. Well, hey, I look forward to it as well. You have a fantastic uh, rest of your day. Thank you for having me. How big was how big was your graduating class? Uh, ninety three. Ninety three. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, we uh we we set a school record. It was pretty dope. We but uh we ended up having uh three other like three cities were part of like the graduation. So it was like Ozark, but then PV and Altus kind of. Like, <laughs> yeah. I grew. Up. We I graduated with forty four people in our class. And, uh, nice. I, so I, I like huge. to. Br- yeah, yeah, ninety three is huge. I like to I like to brag that I was that I graduated tenth in my class when I went to like the big city schools. <laughs> like, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't tell them there's forty four people. I just tell them I graduated tenth in my class. Hey, that's fine. I, well, hey, I get the privilege. I got, I, I graduated thirty four percent of the student body I was related to, forty four percent of the females I was. So I married a girl from California just to be safe. <laughs>